Golight presents Murder Most Irish. Everybody, welcome to 2024's first podcast episode. Woo! It's two. It's, it's the second part, isn't it, of your story? Yes, part two of my other story. I finished it today because I was very lazy. I was going to finish uh-huh. it yesterday, and I went for food, so I didn't get a chance. But I finished it today, and I just I'm like sick of everybody and sick of murder. So I'm quitting the podcast. This is me quitting the podcast. Everybody, best of luck. Okay, I'm delighted. Colin and Sarah are going to talk about the podcast. Colin yeah, is going to block his ears because he doesn't want to hear about murder and death. I don't even want to listen to that. That's what he does when we do the Patreon and I do. If we ever had to do the Patreon and I did a terrible case. He's just like at the, he doesn't say end of anything. And then at the end he goes, Jesus. <laughs> That's, <it. laughs> That's his only reaction. Like, <laughs> God bless him. Um, yeah, no, he, uh, he even when you're when you're having a conversation with Colin and it's like bad news or it's a bit he just go, oh, gee, it's terrible. Oh, <laughs> I keep no one else to say. I feel like I haven't been home in a year. You haven't been home in a fucking year. I really do. I, I miss everybody and I I miss Jack. Even though I didn't think I would miss Jack. Jack, I do. Yeah, he's your animal. You know, I'm sorry. Colin said he's just in the house roaring at the moment. Just rolling. Uh, well, he was. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, good. Um, when I was there, he was fucking. He the roaring. Sec- the la- well, the last day I went, he was fucking roaring his head off. I could hear him in the hall. I said, "These neighbors are going to kill me." <laughs> Yo, honestly, it's almost like he can sense when you're fucking coming over. Like he could tell when I was coming home, and I'd be able to. He'd know. He'd immediately start screaming. He's yeah, it could stuff. be actually the the last the time I went to it was it was the evening, so maybe he was like everybody comes like home from work at this time. The vibrations outside the door, he can feel them. So if someone's going to walk through the hall, he starts crying because he feels oh the vibrations. What a genius! Yeah. It's his his uh his uh hearing doesn't work, so he's developed another sense like that comic book character. What's his name? Oh, the the fucking blind fella. Audio man. I don't know his name. What's his name? People <laughs> 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 screaming at us right now. Daredevil, isn't it? Daredevil. Hey, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Can we call this episode Audio Man? I don't know. <laughs> I watched. I tell you, I watched precisely two episodes of that show. Oh, I didn't watch any of the Grey watched like I fucking all of it. That. I just tried. I was like, yeah. I'm just not going to go. Remember when all those shows were on Netflix? No. Well, they were all on Netflix and then Disney came along and said, no. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. No, there. that's not anything I would ever watch. Like, Grey watched no. that fucking stupid show, The Fast Man. It's very fast. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hold on. 
Okay, we got it. <laughs> yeah, he watched. Yeah. There used to be I'm one with him. Audio man on the flash. Hold on, I have to write this down. Audio man and the flash man. Audio man and the flash. This is people's first. Uh, we don't know the names of things of 2024. Oh yeah. I know they're roaring at us. It's a flash, you stupid bitches. <laughs> like I know they're. I know Steve is yelling at me. Well, Steve can fuck off. <laughs> um, Steve's just lucky he found a girl that's willing to put up with his shit, just like Graham. Very true. All he, like, all he'll say now but, is like, "No, it's the way around. It's the way around." Oh, I know Steve. Um, but yeah, so I've never watched a single one of those shows. Graham watched that one, the Flash one. It was that was the like, really, really cheap looking one? They're all really cheap, Emma. But yeah, it used to be all of those shows used to be on Sky. Yeah. Like just garbage. Garbage. Um, garbage. And like, yeah, no, I've and he watched Shield for a while, but he'll absolutely deny it. He'd just say, I never watched that. Well, I never she- watched a fucking episode, and I've seen the first season because you used to watch it. Hold on. The Shield, the, the cop it's show. Not- no, there's one about Shield. Like it's like a show that was on. Shield is like you know Samuel L. Jackson's character in all of those oh, movies. Oh, sorry. And... Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a guy who's in those movies who's not Samuel L. Jackson. Who has something to do with Shield, and he had like a spin-off TV show, and Graham watched that, and he's like, I honest to God, it's like fucking the butterfly effect or something because he's like I never did I've never seen it I don't know what you're talking about and I'm like I've seen the entire first season and I didn't fucking watch it so someone's lying here bud like, and I think your husband <laughs> yeah like um but yeah they're all garbage but like fair play to you if you start watching them because I can't really it's, talk it's like them more power to you if it's something that keeps yeah. you happy listen keep doing it we all need a bit of joy in our lives I watched Saltburn with Graham oh did you yeah. <laughs> What's a Graham thing? We're a Graham. We watched it because people on TikTok were watching it with their grandparents. What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, we people on TikTok watched, were watching that with their grandparents and recording their grandparents. That, yeah, I saw that. Um, and so we watched it, and the bad scene, you know, like, okay. But, right. I mean, I've I've watched Call Me By Your Name. You know, it's it's probably tamer I, I, no, than that, that scene. That scene is much worse. Oh no, Emma! I didn't think that bad scene was much worse. Oh, no, I did. Anyway, I probably, I, for, like my stomach for, was like, Bleh. like. Oh, for me, the scene after the bad scene. What was with, the scene with the girl. Oh, sorry. On yeah. The bench. I was yeah, like, no, oh, great! Like I was, rotten. I was like this. And I had my hand over Graham's head too, because I was like, "Don't watch that." Like, <laughs> don't watch that. You don't, you don't Just, need to watch that. And then the grave scene, I was like, "Yeah, what is the point in the the grave?" I, there was a whole lot in that movie where I was like, "What's the point of this?" The best character in the movie is uh, the mum. She's hilarious. Yeah, she's brilliant. Antonio, like, I don't remember. I don't remember that actress's name. Do not ask me. But she is really, really good in everything she's in. Yeah, and um, I liked the other Farley. I thought he was very good. I thought he was, like, actually interesting. But everything else in it is a bit, like, 
I suppose and Barry Keown got his mickey out Barry Keown got his mickey out and I swear there's a scene and me and Graham were watching it I kept saying to Graham he's from Summerhill <laughs> that's all I can say to Graham oh, no. I know I was like like the whole time I was like there's Perry Cohen's Mickey and he's from Summer Hill and Graham was like what I was like that's where we parked a car when we're going to Savoy that's where he's from <laughs> he's from around in an Emerald Fennel movie with Mickey out but the scene where he's jumping around with his penis mm-hmm. flying about the place he nearly waxes Mickey off a round table when he does a spin oh, I was like jeez te- I'm, I'm gonna say it he 100% gave himself a little before that yeah, scene exactly. because he's on a semi there's no way that's his penis relaxed well welcome to the six episode <laughs> can, can, you actually, can you actually call this episode there's no way his penis is relaxed <laughs> good man barry good man barry fair play to him he's making a living Listen, he's doing what he needs to do. He's getting paid. He's looking after his baby. I think he has a baby. He's mm. doing what he needs to do. And the you girls know? on TikTok love him. Oh, they love him. They oh. absolutely love him. He just looks um, like every fella from the flats to me. He does look like he literally looks like every fella from the flats. He looks like my nephews and my brother in law. Yeah. Like just has that he just has that head in him, doesn't he? Yeah, no, he looks like Jared, like he looks like yeah. Jared Mulligan. Like I'm just like you are all from the like they all look the same. But anyway, fair play to him. Fair play to you. Ireland, Irish people are taking over at the moment. I know it's crazy. Everywhere. It's everywhere. Like, like Paul Meskel's doing really well. Like uh, that's it. Killian <laughs> Murphy. Killian. Hilly Murphy, Murphy. Yeah. yeah, he's had a fucking full-blown reinvention. What's the guy that was in a film with Paul Mescal, the sexy priest? Oh, Andrew Scott. He's yeah, we're everywhere. Uh, Barry Keown. But like, yeah, no, we're doing like, and we're doing really well, like we're like actually talented. Yeah, no, it's not like shite, do you know what I mean? It's genuinely good actors are doing well for themselves. Mm. But I have decided that Taika Waititi, Waititi is out. Who's in? Paul Mescal is in. Oh yeah, we, me and Emma have had a number of conversations over text yeah. message. But like I'm not. To... I, I had a dream about him. Oh, okay. And then I watched Normal People. And let me tell you yes. something about Normal People. I'll tell you this. Go on. I got halfway through that show and I said, if these two, I couldn't. I just finished it because I was like, they're so fucking stupid that I had to finish it. Not one single conversation between the two of them in eight episodes. They don't even talk to each other. They're just like, uh, 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 oh, my God. I couldn't. I, I, couldn't, I, I just couldn't. And then all of a sudden show. she's into BDSM. And I'm like, where'd this come out of? What? <laughs> There's a lot of like turns that it takes. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Is it adapted <laughs> from a book? Yeah, it's Sally Rooney's book. Yeah, um, okay. I just was like, "Oh, Jesus, get get move on." Like, I don't have time right. for this. There's one. I'm sure. I don't care if you haven't seen it. It's been out years. Spoiler alert. But anyway, there's one part where they break up. Now, when I tell yes. you they break up 745 times, they break up because they have a conversation in the kitchen, 
which both of them remember differently. And they both assumed the other person was breaking up with them, even though they didn't have a conversation. Oh, no. Do you know, what, Emma, I know people like that. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, like that was the entire show. They were like, oh, oh, I love you, but uh, I love you, but I have to go play ga or something. I don't know. I didn't know what was happening. She did a great Irish accent. I thought she was Irish. She's not. She's British. And her accent is fucking spot on. Yeah, everybody said that. She was on the great. I've never seen an episode of that show, but I've seen like, it through TikTok. Oh, do you think I'm ugly? I'm really ugly, aren't I? Yeah, I know you're, you're fucking rotten. What are you talking about? You're a model. That's the whole thing, but isn't isn't the beginning of that show that <laughs> sorry, it's like every <laughs> I'm a model. He said, No, I don't I don't think you're ugly and the boys in school don't think you're I was like, Do you know what? Now I can't be dealing with this. This is too I <laughs> And then he gets Mickey out as well. His Mickey's out a lot. Does he get his Mickey out in that in that show? Well, he, gets he gets his Mickey out, yeah. Fully out. I might watch it. <laughs> I just the whole thing. I was like, oh, lads, I don't have to. Eight. And I said to myself, eight episodes of this. And I had to finish it. Eight? I think there's eight episodes. I had to finish it. And then there's this one character in it who I've never wanted to punch someone more in my life. He's like this little fucking Trinner wanker that she's like, he's in love with her. But she's not in love with him because she's in love with Paul Meskell's character, who I would say says about six words. In all A episodes. Because he's, you know, he's solid. deep and he reads books mm-hmm. and he what what did you buy her? What did you buy her for Christmas, Connor? Connell? Connell? He says, I bought her a book of poetry. I said, you know what now? I don't <laughs> I have no time for any of this. Stop it. I, I bought her a book of poetry and she's like, I loved it. I'm like, I can't yeah, no. Too much happening no. here. No. Just everybody's riding and I just felt like when I was in college I wasn't doing any riding everybody's riding everybody um, everybody was except me and you they all smoke which I hate I hate they watching all... people smoke on camera it really bothers me and it was such a turn I was like I can't look at this they all smoke like, and salt burn as well yeah it seems to be making a very big comeback because for years there smoking was like kind of stopped in movies and television but now it's like massively coming back in things and I fucking hate it but it's you know why that is don't you well I presume it's big tobacco and no it's not it's it's not it's probably like, no it's what not it? big probably tobacco it's, it's not um, and <laughs> I'm, I'm my awareness is that they're not allowed to sponsor things like that anymore so they actually no, no, no. It, yeah, they can't sponsor movies, they can't sponsor sporting events, they can't sponsor any of that the way they used to. Um, it's because that's vintage. That's like the the people that are writing these stories and making these movies like that one Emerald Fennel, like that the, that time that they're writing about is that's set in two thousand and six, I think, or two thousand and four, two thousand six. But it's still it's still after the smoking ban. Like no one was smoking around the way they're they're out they're, they're smoking in every scene in a pub. Like I can't. It makes it tur- it completely takes me out of it. 
when I watch stuff like that because I'm like, that's disgusting. And then you just go and kiss someone right away after they smoke. They taste like an ashtray. What the fuck is it? I can't. And then there was one scene where I was watching where they were blowing, somebody's blowing, they were talking and someone was blowing smoke in someone's face. And I was like, I would fucking knock you out if you did that to me. Like they were doing it, like, not on purpose. They were were talking to them. Yeah. And I was like, it's fucking disgusting. What is this? Anyway, weird. Uh, go watch normal people if you want. I felt like it was eight episodes, and I could just somebody scratching their arse would have been more interesting. But that's just me. Mm. The heterosexuals I loved it. it though. I might watch it on the basis of like the fact that he gets his Mickey. The girls loved it. They did. The girls said, yeah. "I want one like Connell. I want a man who doesn't know how to communicate." But he that's it. it. That's what I want. And now he's a writer and he's going to New York to be a writer, even though we've never seen him write anything in the show. Oh. Have we, have we seen any of this writing? I'll tell you what Connell is. Connell is a man written by a woman. Ah, okay. Very All much. Right. Very much a man written by a woman. This like, he plays sports, but also he's really deep and he writes poetry. And I was like, now... Sally Rooney, you need to get a grip in your life. <laughs> that man does not exist. That man does they not do exist. not exist. <laughs> and then the female character is like, I'm so beautiful, but I don't know that I'm beautiful. But then I go to college and now I'm really beautiful in college because I wear smoky eyeshadow. <laughs> Literally, lads, that was eight episodes of this television show. That's all that was. Here, I have a question. Oh. You might be able to tell me. Why do men love the idea of a woman who is beautiful not knowing that she's beautiful? Why is that, like, attractive? Because they need to be the person that tells them that. They don't, it's, it's, women don't, shouldn't have, their physicality shouldn't be important unless a man finds them attractive. In the same vein of why men who don't find women attractive don't really think that they're worth anything. Because they don't have to tell them they're hot and sexy. So why would you care about them? It's not about oh them making God. a woman feel good about themselves. It's about making themselves feel good. That's what it is. Oh, and it happens okay. all the time. And whenever men write women, it's like, she was seven foot two with breasts the size of the moon. And she had the most beautiful face that I'd ever seen. But she was really shy and quiet about it and didn't know. And she was a virgin, but she wrote 70 men. That's literally what... <laughs> That's how men write women. That's how men write women. Like literally, that's how like, Sally Rooney she, writes men. That's how men write women. She sounds great. <laughs> she's living her best life. Like she sounds like she's having a great time. Imagine being like just wandering around, being gorgeous and not being aware of it all the That'd time. Be just being like, I don't even know that I'm gorgeous. I don't even know. I don't they even know. know. They know. Yeah. They, they know. Many girls I've met that are like, I'm so ugly. Shut the fuck up, motherfucker. <laughs> you know. She You're happens right. to you on a daily basis. That doesn't that happen to other aware. women. Yes. Like. That makes you fully aware. Yeah. That you're Give a little right. right. Or anyway. that, that thing of like, I didn't know that. He, I just don't know why he, like, why he has feelings for me. Stop it. Yes, you do. Yes, Give it up. Stop. Have we have we ball ragged on everybody? Is there anybody else left? We have Well, I just would like you to know that um I grew up thinking I was ugly. 
And that was the <laughs> truth. <laughs> if we were all written like a Sally Rooney book, it'd be great. Yeah. Oh, and uh, also her parents were really wealthy and his parents were really, he had only a mam and she was poor. Oh, but was the mum woke? Was the mum like woke? They didn't get into that, but the mother worked for the rich people. Oh. Yeah. She worked for What did for she them. do? She was their cleaner. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. That this was is... Whole... So, sorry, Sally Rooney, sorry to tear you apart, but like, are you writing Cinderella? Like, what is this shite? I'm such a cynical bitch that I was like, I hate this so much. You are really when cynical. He, when he was out playing football and I, I was just like, okay, listen, I'm not a big fan of the guy. I'll be honest with you. But I'm so repulsed by sports people that it was just like, no, I don't. I don't care that he's running around the pitch. And then his yeah, friends were, were so very awful. into his shorts. Yeah, he wears short shorts. You know, friends weird. Are I, don't awful. Even, I don't even find him that, that attractive at all. I don't know why. I had a dream about him and now I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, you, I'll take what, here's what I, I'd say to that. Take what you can get at this moment in time. Yeah. And if that's the small thing that you're that's like, you know what? That'll do. M.M. Paul Mescal. We any housekeeping? Housekeeping? Yeah. I have no housekeeping other than to say thank you so much to everybody that is continuing to buy tickets for the live show in February. We really appreciate it. Um, Thank you. Thank you also to say thank you to anybody who bought merch. We really appreciate it. And thank you to anybody who is still supporting us on the Patreon. You are the best. Um, Thanks, guys. Have other housekeeping. We're back. Um, It's January. Let's see how long this lasts. Let's see how well this goes, lad. You never yeah. know. No, you know what, but we, like, I'm not going to say it, but, like, we actually need to get our fucking shit together. 100%, I fully agree. <laughs> you know, like, we actually need to get our shit, but, like, it, it's hard. <laughs> Things are just all over the shop at the moment, like, but, I don't know, hopefully it'll get better soon. Hopefully Things are an absolute flux, and it just keeps changing, and, like, yeah. every time you make a plan, it's like, oh, no, because, Perhaps you know. Come yeah, yeah. No. we just have a lot of family shit going on between the two of us, and just regular life shit going on between yeah. the two of us, and, unfortunately, the podcast is not, like, full-time employment, so other things, <clears throat> unfortunately, knock it off because so, they pay the bills. Um, we got stuff to do, but we're getting there. We're getting there. But yeah, we really want to say thank you to everybody that has bought tickets to the live show and is continuing to support us on the Patreon. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to the live show because I really yeah, had sure. fun at the Cork show, but I think it's because I didn't you. do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually such good crack, I must say. It really had a yeah. nice time. Um, yeah, I don't think fun. it'll be the same in the cat. The, where are we playing? Uh, Liberty Hall. Jesus, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, you know, thanks to everybody, and we really appreciate yeah. it, and we are trying our very best to get our shit together. Um, we'll try. We'll do. We'll, we can do it. Thumbs, thumbs up. Hey. Hey. Okay, shall I do um, this? Or do you want to talk about anything else? No, just other than keep sharing about Palestine, please. Of course. Yeah. Sorry. If, 
everything is awful. I don't know about you, but I found Christmas really difficult. I think well, because yeah. we both had really shit years, but also yeah. I just had moments where I was like, I'm sitting in my house eating food with my family and their yep. children buried under rubble. Yep. Literally, it's so it's such a, a disconnect to be like, Merry Christmas. And then you pick up your phone or you turn on the radio and it's propagandized Zionism being fed to people that don't have access or don't want access to actually learn what's going on. Like the radio station my mom listens to. I'm yeah. like, Jesus Christ, the way the media are reporting on it. Oh, really? It's just to me. Oh, my God. It's just... There's not a single point where they stop and they go, you know, it's it's known that Israel are lying. It's known that the IDF or the IOF, as they call them now, are lying. None of that. It's just the war continues. It's not a war. It's a genocide. What is IOF? Why is it IOF now? Because they're calling them um, the Israeli occupation force, people in Palestine instead of the Israeli defense force. OK. Makes them, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it's it's deeply upsetting. The whole thing is I don't even all I just can do is keep sharing and giving money. And that's all I can do. And it's I, I'm not going to stop talking about it. I'm just no. not going to stop talking about it because what happens, what they're hoping for is people to get fatigued with it. That they're is hoping, what they're hoping. Yeah, they're hoping people will stop talking. And if you can just keep talking about it, keep leaving comments, keep putting pressure. That's what they that's what they fear the most. So, Yeah. Just to any of people that we listen to you f- who are from Palestine or have family in Palestine or friends in Palestine, please know that we are standing with you and we're doing everything we can to try and help with, with what little power we have. So, yeah. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say. Um, also, to anybody who is taking this as an opportunity to be, to be anti-Semitic, you can legitimately go fuck yourself. Like using this as an excuse to hate on Jewish people that's not what this is about so and there are people that are doing that actively yep. doing that keep so boycotting it's that. working keep boycotting Starbucks are bent over a barrel at this point like they're fucked they've lost 12 billion in revenue and it's climbing so just keep showing people that you are not standing for this anymore and you're fine without Starbucks I think when people boycott products they're like oh I actually am okay yeah. I, didn't need, I didn't need Starbucks. I'm totally fine. Do you fine. know who apparently is not okay with a boycott? Who? Lily. <laughs> Lily, Mr. Starbies. Oh my God. She has like, today we went out and she had like a mammy daughter day planned and she wrote it in her notebook last night and she was like, I know you said we're boycotting Starbucks, but I just, <laughs> it's on my list. And I was like, it could stay on your list. You should. Yeah. You need to boycott Starbucks too. And she was like, "Why?" And then I was like, "How do I explain this to her?" I know. And there's a lot of people discovering like coffee shops and other places, like you know, uh, family run or or small business coffee shops and things like that. So that's really nice because people are finding those places. Yeah. So that's a positive impact as well. But yeah, I don't know. The world is a fucking dumpster fire. So. Literally. We're in hell. But anyway, shall we do our case, our more hell case? Yes, let's do it. Look, let's it looks like it. I'm, okay. look at me on video. And yeah. I am the moon. Trigger trigger warning. <laughs> I apologize. Coming February 28th to Liberty Hall, Dublin, Aiken Promotion presents a true crime podcasting experience like no other. It's Murder Most Irish Live! 
Join Emma, Sarah Jane, and Colin for a show that's crude. That's the strangest thing you've ever eaten. She's like, my ma's shit. Yeah. Lewd. Wax or shave. Shave. Hold on. Oh. Your arsehole. Rude. That's my son. That's my son, and that's he didn't know you were son. a nerd. And quite possibly nude. You're plowing those fields, baby, and I'm driving the Rolls Royce. Like, that's what's happening. And then you're playing me a night notice. Murder Most Irish live at Liberty Hall. Tickets available from Ticketmaster.ie. Good night, everybody! So this week I am going to do part two um, of the case that I did last week, which is Arlene Arkinson and Hannah Williams, two young girls that were murdered by Robert uh, Howard. So if you don't know, I'll go back and listen to that episode because I'm not going to really rehash anything, but there's some stuff in it that was in last week's episode. Anyway, um, so massive trigger warnings once again for sexual assault, rape, abuse, um, general terribleness. Yeah. Um, so I got my references are from the Belfast Telegraph, the Guardian, the Irish Mirror, Kent Live. Wow, I've loads from the Belfast Telegraph. And then Wikipedia. Mainly it's from the Belfast Telegraph because it happened in the north of Ireland. So I forgot to ask a question last time, or I can't remember if I asked a question. Yeah. Does my sound sound okay? Yeah, your sound's perfect, yeah. Okay. Um is Arlene's family, are they Protestant or Catholic? I think they're Catholic. It's never been touched upon, but I think they might be Catholic. Okay. Ooh, sorry, I'm yawning. <clears throat> okay, so let us start. So it's 1995 and Robert Howard is the number one suspect in Arlene Arkinson's murder. However, he is still free from police custody. He was now living in Drum Chapel in Glasgow, which Drum Chapel, when I Googled it, I don't know if it still is, and I hate using this word, but it was quite rough back in the day. Like, rough and tough. Rough as a bear's hole, like a lot of violence, a <laughs> lot of drugs, a lot of, you know, just an unfortunately poorer area that these things happen in. So that's where he was living. So the police in Northern Ireland contacted the police in Scotland to tell them about Howard's record and that he may be a danger to people in the area. OK, my laptop is just being weird. I'm just going to do this. Um, this information may have then been leaked by the police as a few months after Howard arrived in Scotland, the Sunday Mail published a story with the headline, quote, the face of evil and Howard's picture on the front page. He was described as one of Ireland's most dangerous sex criminals. And in a matter of hours after the publication, residents of Dunn Chapel ascended on Howard's flat. They smashed oh. his windows and screamed at him to get out. Howard escaped by climbing down the back of the building using a rope. So they were like, get this motherfucker out of here. So why do we, point, sorry, what? why did they think the police leaked it? Because it, it was almost as if like he, they, a lot of information got leaked. It wasn't just that he had done, he was this one thing. It was quite detailed. Oh, so they well, were like, well. generally that definitely came from like police because the police are contacted contacted the other police and I know that does happen oh, okay. um, so so at this point Howard and Pat Quinn's relationship had end, ended and he was seeing another woman who had a 10 year old daughter oh, I, a man wouldn't spit on me and this motherfucker <laughs> is riding any like I don't understand I'm not even a kid I, and I know he smelled I know by looking at him he smelled 
Oh, a hundred percent. You're like, I know you don't wash. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're the vibes I got off this man. Or that he had like one really bad tooth that smelled. What do they call it in a? It's always sunny. Oh. She had one dead tooth. Dead tooth, yeah. So Howard fled Scotland. Like a little ball of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Howard fled Scotland and he ended up in southeast London, where he once again was forced out by residents who knew of his past. So eventually he settled in Kent. Um, and after moving around the London area, sometimes the police could not trace him. And at times he disappeared completely. So they were finding it really hard to kind of keep an eye on him. Yeah. You know where they could have kept an eye on him? In, in jail. Prison, where yeah. he should have been. Yeah. So whilst in Kent, he met a woman, another woman named Mary Scollum, and he moved into her home. I need women to listen to me. If there's any women listening to this, I know there is. <laughs> it's our main podcast market. Uh, Please stop giving men, just stop going out with men and dating men and moving them into your home because you think you have to be in a relationship. Please, I am begging you. Yeah. This man looks like a creeper on heroin. I cannot explain how unattractive this man was. Well, did I yes. tell you about that Facebook page? Oh, where they all are like, is this your boyfriend? Yeah, like is like any red flags, any tea? Are you de- like literally? It's are are we? Am I dating your man? It's called. Jeez. Um, and it's literally just like, and I feel honestly, Emma, there was a woman in it today, and I I'm not gonna say what she wrote because it's like I just felt bad for her, but she obviously she was dating somebody. And then their relationship had moved to like the next stage, like sexual. And what happened in that moment between them, she was really uncomfortable with. And she was like so naive, like she was asking people's advice on the page. And it was just like, oh, like you're so naive, but also you're so naive and so unsure of yourself. You should have you should have had this conversation before you had a sexual relationship with somebody. Like these are the things I'm I'm okay with. These are the things I'm not okay with. Like all like, yeah. but it's people are so desperate is the wrong word. They're so lonely and de- like yeah. uh, desperate for a relationship to not be lonely. That it's like uh, the important stuff of like getting to know each other and talking about that stuff yeah. kind of doesn't happen because they don't want to scare them off. And I'm like, so I just think it's like such an important thing to know that. You have choices and yeah. you say, I am worth more than this, just so you are not afraid of telling your family you're not in a relationship or something like this is how these things happen. I'm not even exaggerating. A lot of these relationships happen because women convince themselves that if they're not in a relationship, they're not worth anything. Yep. And a lot of and that has been that's patriarchal, patriarchal from the get go. This idea that like a man asks you, um, you know, the, the the old ball and chain or the wife, like that you are a, a burden. You're an, you're a burden from the get go. But anyway, don't what? date men like this man, please, because Jesus no, Christ. No, don't. So Mary had previously been in a relationship with a man whose daughter she remained close to after they broke up. Mary would bring the girl on walks with her two dogs beside Blue Lake close to her home. Howard had taken an interest in the girl and he had videos of her cuddling Mary's dogs. And that girl was Hannah Williams. 
So as Howard continued his life in England, making regular trips back to Ireland, by the way, just going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Number one suspect mm-hmm. in Arlene Arkinson's murder. They already knew that he had raped a girl. But just going back and forth and remaining the person everyone. Yeah, everyone in Ireland believed have murdered Arlene. Arlene's family were dealing with the aftermath of their loss and the complete incompetency by the police that followed. So on Wednesday, April 24th, 1996, Kathleen Arkinson looked out her window. This is Arlene's sister to find officers from the RUC standing in her front garden. When she answered the door, they informed her that they wanted to excavate her back garden. They told her they had received an anonymous tip that Arlene's body was buried at the back of Kathleen's home. Sorry, what the fuck? Yeah. Kathleen was devastated, shocked and deeply upset. And a standoff ensued between her, her family and the police. For 15 minutes, items such as ashtrays were flung out the windows at the RUC. Eventually, the police used a sledgehammer to force down Kathleen's front door and access the property. Now, I totally understand why they were fucking shit at the police. Are you kidding me? This woman has been actively trying to find her little sister every single day. Somebody took her little sister and they know that there was a known rapist, paedophile, who had her in his car the night she disappeared. And they're at, at Kathleen's house, digging up her back garden. Emma, this is insane. So Kathleen told the Belfast Telegraph quote, she said, I slammed the door. I threw an ornament at them. I couldn't believe it. I just could not take it in. Then the police used a sledgehammer to break down the door. I was shouting and screaming and the children were crying. At one point I had handcuffs put on me and then a doctor came and gave me several sedatives. They have they have calmed me a little bit, but I'm deeply, deeply shocked about this. Like they had to sedate her; she was so upset. So and they were I, like, "Oh, you're, 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 like, you're this upset, but we still think your sister is yeah. buried out your back garden." So, as police, forensics teams, and the media. By the way, the police call the media. Oh my so as God. they stood outside Kathleen's home, the Arkansans could only watch watch on as machinery dug up a piece of garden where they knew Arlene was not. And the straw Kathleen was handcuffed as, as her neighbours watched on. Sorry, what? I just think that's, I'm just disgusted. It's horrible. The RUC had been in Kathleen's home the day before this, but not had not informed her of any tip or that they would be carrying out a search the next day. When asked about the anonymous tip, where it came from and why the police believed it was legitimate, no answers were given. So Arlene told the documentary Badlands that if the police had informed her of what they wished to do, she would have welcomed it. She said, I would have said, knock the house down, demolish it, do what you want. I do not care. But it was the way they did it. It was unbelievable. So as the dig continued, the RUC then arrested Stephen Walsh, Kathleen's partner, making sure the media were watching this happen. They held him for thirty. Yeah, they held him for 32 hours with no basis to arrest him, other than rumours in the area that something inappropriate had happened between Arlene and Walsh. The Arkansans and many others believe the police used this tactic to take the heat off the fact that Robert Howard was walking free and they had not done their jobs properly. And they're fucking dead correct. That is exactly what was happening. 
It took 46 days to arrest Howard, but they were willing to excavate Kathleen's home for three days and create further rumours around the Arkansans based on an anonymous tip. This is shocking. The relationship between the Arkansans and the police was forever damaged and Kathleen and Stephen sued the RUC over the treatment of the family. Now, I don't I couldn't find anything if they had won their case or anything. I couldn't find anything about that. So I presume it was all private. So Kathleen had been Arlene private. That would tell you that they won something. Yeah. So Kathleen had Arlene's was Arlene's constant, the person who wanted to keep her little sister's name in the media and on the mind of the community. And due to the RUC's insistence that Arlene was buried in Kathleen's backyard, the sympathy for Ark the Arkansans did wane. So because people started to be like, well, why would they dig up their garden? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? So now, by the way, Arlene was not found in their garden because she was not there. So yeah, obviously. It, yeah. So in 1997, the Gardaí carried out further sh- searches in Gorton Grace, which is an area of, of Donegal, but to no avail. Another search was carried out in 1999 on a piece of bog land named Petago on the Fermanagh Donegal border. New information was received by the RUC that the prime suspect in Arlene's case was a keen angler and had been seen fishing in the area many times. So 30 Gardaí were part of the search along with the sub-ACO team. But unfortunately, once again, nothing was discovered. Who's this angler? This is their when their prime suspect is Robert Howard. Right. And was he, did he fish? He did. Okay. But nothing was found. Uh, Further searches were to be carried out with the RUC and Gardaí confirming that a number of locations had been identified as places of interest. Arlene's father, William, and the Arkansan family welcomed the searches. They said they had reconciled with the fact that Arlene was dead, but they wanted to give her a proper burial, which is completely understandable. Yeah. However... Only one month later, the family would face further disappointment when the Gardaí told the family that all further searches had been called off unless they received further concrete, unless, sorry, further concrete information was presented. So they called off all the searches. So the Gardaí in Donegal called off searches. They said we're not doing any more searches because we don't have any further concrete evidence or proof of what's happened. Okay. So the Arkansans offered rewards for anyone who had information on Arlene, as well as asking the police to search construction sites in the area, as they believed Arlene's body may have been dumped there. Still, Arlene was not found. So then on the 15th of March 2002, Bernadette Williams received the news no parent would ever want to. The police found Hannah Williams. They had found her daughter's body. Oh, So on the morning of March 15th, a workman was clearing undergrowth beside a cement works close to the Blue Lake in North Fleet, Kent. He saw something blue. It almost looked like a sleeping bag. And when he got out of his digger to have a closer look, he realised it was a tarpaulin and it was wrapped around a body. Bernadette Williams was watching the news that night. And when the police told a press conference, they had found a body which was yet unidentified. And they described what the person was wearing. Bernadette knew it was Hannah. Emma, that is horrific. Was she by herself? Yeah. Oh, that poor woman. I know. She told Susan McKay in The Guardian, quote, I finally found out my daughter 
daughter was dead and that her body had been found by watching it on the telly. To find out that way was unforgivable. I screamed and then I cried and I cried. So Hannah's autopsy revealed she had been raped and then strangled to to death. A rope was still tied around her neck when she was found. So as the police began to investigate what happened to Hannah, Robert Howard's name arose. D.I. Colin Murray, who led the case, told the Badlands documentary that Hannah had received a 14 second phone call from Mary Scollum's phone. So Mary was the lady that was still friends with her, who Robert Howard was, was now with. He had videos of her. Yeah. But however, Mary was a care worker who worked nights and would have been asleep at the time of that call. When the police asked her, police asked her who she thought Hannah had been speaking to on the phone. She told them the only person it could have been was her partner, Robert Howard. Upon searching up Howard and the police databases, they were made aware of his previous attacks, habitual sexual assaults and how he was the main person of interest in Arlene Arkinson's disappearance. Mary called the PSI to inform them of Hannah's disappearance and their belief that Howard was involved. When he asked the senior investigating officer in charge of Arlene's case if they would be arresting Howard, he told Murray no. Why? No intentions of arresting Robert Howard. None. This man, they were, this man was out and about like nothing. He had done nothing, that nothing was wrong. And the PS and I were like, meh, meh. the fuck? Sorry, P- PS and I are, is the current name for what the RUC used to be. So it was the Royal Ulster Constabulary and then it changed to the Police Services of Northern Ireland. Just, it's a different name. They changed their name. But now so they've got then, Catholics in the force. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Howard then became the British police's prime suspect or the English police's prime suspect. So aside from that phone call, the police had no other evidence to tie Howard to the crime scene or Hannah's murder. They decided to put surveillance on Howard's home as well as following him when he left his flat. The surveillance was intense. They followed him everywhere. Murray said they feared he would abduct and murder another girl if they did not watch him. As opposed to what the police in Northern Ireland did, which was nothing. 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 D.I. Murray travelled to Castle Derg to speak to Priscilla Gahan, the young girl Howard had raped in his flat. I don't know if you remember last week I told you he attacked that girl. So she gave them details about her attack and how Robert had groomed her, tricked her, then raped her. Uh, He got a rope and tied it around her neck. And as he was raping her, he tied it tighter. So because of that, those informations, this became what Mary Murray told the Badlands documentary was called similar fact evidence. So similar fact at this case, Hannah Williams case will be the first case tried in the UK that used similar fact evidence. So this will be the first one. Murray then asked the SIO in charge of Arlene's case if he could meet with the Arkansas family. And he was told, quote, no, I was told that wasn't. Yeah, listen to this. I was told that wasn't possible because in his words, Kathleen and the family are very difficult to deal with and I wouldn't get anything from her. Is it starting to sound like a bit of a cover up to you, Sarah Jane? Yeah, it's starting to sound like a cover up. Because that's what it sounds like to me. Allegedly. So D.I. Murray was like, fuck you guys. I'm meeting her anyway. So he met with Kathleen and he said that she immediately started asking him questions that should have been originally answered by the RUC, but never were. Murray said the Arkansans had not been well looked after during the most horrific of times. Kathleen told Murray that she would do everything she could to help with the prosecution of Howard for Hannah Williams murder. What What a fantastic woman. 
This woman, let me fucking tell you, holy shit, I do not know where she gets the strength. Because I feel I am a very lazy person. I feel like I would have given up on this, but she has. No, you love me. If I was murdered, you would have murdered me. So Robert Howard's trial for Mm -hmm. the murder of Hannah Williams was set to begin in October 2003 at Maidstone's Crown Court. D.I. Murray was told days before the trial that Robert Howard had been flown back to Northern Ireland and here he was finally charged with the murder of Arlene Arkinson. Murray said he was shocked by, by this and he said from the Badlands, this is the documentary, he said, now I was amazed because it seemed to me there was no more evidence at that point than there was several years ago. And where yeah. we had been asking for Robert Howard to be charged, suddenly it had finally happened. So it was like, oh shit, He's being charged for a murder over there. Maybe it should look like we actually are doing something. Jesus Christ. That's all this. It's a pissing contest. It's always a pissing contest. Yeah. So Howard's trial did continue in London. He was sent back to London and Priscilla Cahan gave evidence, this amazing girl, of what Howard had done to her. And Kathleen Arkinson also gave evidence about Howard's involvement in in, um, Arlene's disappearance. So another girl an unnamed victim told the court that Howard had brought her to the same place where Hannah's body had been found where he tried to sexually assault her but she had escaped. So as I said earlier this will be the first trial where similar fact evidence was used to convict a, a suspect. It took the jury three hours to convict Robert Howard of the murder of Hannah Williams and he was sentenced to life in prison. Mr. Justice McKinnon told Howard as he passed down the sentence, quote, it is clear that you are a danger to teenage girls and other women and have been for a very long time. So due to Howard also being charged with Arlene's murder in Northern Ireland, there was stringent reporting restrictions put in place. No one knew the details of the trial or the outcome outside of those involved. So they shut it down. They were like, this guy... This guy has been tried and convicted here, but we cannot have that upset what's going on in the north of Ireland. We can't have people uh, biased. Right, OK, happened. I get you. There can't be an influence on the basis that he's been convicted. There was a complete um, media blackout. They weren't allowed to know anything. OK, I understand. I'm with you. Yeah. So uh, 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 the jury would hear um, Arlene's trial would know nothing, nothing of Robert Harris' conviction or any of his previous patterns of violence. Not just Hannah, but everything before that. Oh. All the girls he raped, all the attacks he did, everything, nothing. They wouldn't know any of it. It was all shut down. So oh, Kathleen told okay. the Guardian, quote, Mrs. Williams hugged us at the end of Hannah's trial and said, I'll see you in Ireland. We assumed that she would be called and that others would be too. But they were, in fact, not called. So, and although similar fact evidence was used in Hannah's trial, the Public Prosecution Service of Northern Ireland refused to use similar fact and would not explain their decision. Oh, my God, this is a massive cover-up. Yep. So as the Arkansans awaited Robert Harris trial for the murder of Arlene, the now newly named PSNI continued searching for her body. However, they were still unsuccessful. 
On the 10th of September 2004, Robert Howard appeared in front of Lord Chief Justice Sir Brian Kerr, what a name, in in Ormac Crown Court in Belfast, where he pleaded not guilty to the murder of Arlene Arkinson, as well as five other charges for perverting the course of justice. So he was charged with Arlene and then five other charges. Okay, so that's Mm -hmm. important. Lord Chief Justice Kerr told the courtroom he expected the trial to last six to eight weeks. In May 2005, Howard's trial began. So he was already in jail for murdering Hannah. He got a life sentence. So that yeah. was that. Yeah. So now he's in, in the Northern Ireland for this. Prosecuting counsel Gordon Kerr told the court that although the case for prosecution was circumstantial, they could prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Howard had murdered Arlene. He laid out that Howard had lied to friends and asked others for false alibis as to where he had been that night. Howard changed his police statements, first saying he had not been alone with Arlene in the car on the night of question and then admitting that he was. Kerr told the jury that Howard had tried to convince his partner at the time, Patricia Quinn, that Arlene was still alive. He made Patricia follow a car that he believed Arlene was was in around the town. So he was in a car with Patricia and he was like, that's her, follow that car. And then the two of them followed her for ages and then it obviously wasn't Arlene and he was lying. Patricia said... Yeah, Patricia said when she questioned Howard about Arlene and what had happened, he allegedly told her, quote, people have secrets and want to keep their secrets. Anyway, so on Tuesday to the 24th of May, Donna Quinn, who was Arlene's best friend and Patricia Quinn's daughter, testified. Donna was now 29 and she broke down as she gave evidence that the last time she had ever seen her friend was when she was sat in the passenger seat of Robert Howard's car as he drove away. She told the court that on the night in question, Howard dropped her and her boyfriend, Sean, home and continued on with Arlene. Donna alleged that Howard had told her to lie and say that Arlene had not travelled with them to Bundoran. He also asked for Sean's phone number to call him to ask him to tell the same lie. Donna said that Howard had also changed his story regarding where he had dropped Arlene in Castle Derg. Initially, he had given Arlene a lift to her sisters in Spamount, but then the following day he changed that story to say he had left her near a bar called Walls, which was beside his flat. Donna then admitted that she lied to one. Are all of these people just okay with lying? Clearly. So Donna admitted that she lied to the police when she first spoke to them, but she said this was because of what Howard had told her to say. So Patricia Quinn, Donna's mother, also gave evidence where she too admitted that she had lied to the police because Howard had told her to. She said, he told me to tell lies and I did. It's the biggest mistake of my life that I made. Patricia said she threw Sarah, wait to hear this. So Patricia said she threw Howard out of the house a few weeks after Arlene disappeared. When questioned as to why she followed him to Scotland and lived with him there, she said, quote, to see if he would tell me anything about Arlene, but he wouldn't give me no answers, so I came back home. Now if anybody believes If anybody believes that for a fucking split second, I'm deeply triggered by Patricia Quinn. <laughs> Deeply triggered. Deeply triggered by Patricia Quinn because I honestly, women who put the safety of children behind the fact that they want a man are the most infuriating people on the face of the planet. So I don't like this woman. I don't like her. 
Um, <clears throat> she also stated that her and Howard slept in separate bedrooms during her time in Scotland and they barely spoke to each other. Sure. Yeah. So as reporting restrictions were brought in, very little is actually known of the rest of the trial. So that's the information that we have up to that point. And then more reporting restrictions were brought in. So we only have an idea of what happened or the basis, basics of what happened. So it is known that Robert's defence argued that the entire case was built on circumstantial evidence and hearsay and that there had been, in fact, various sightings of Arlene since her disappearance. Bullshit. And as no body had been found after extensive searches, was she even dead? Question mark. Hmm. The jury seemed to agree with this. And on June 2005, Robert Howard was found not guilty of the murder of Arlene Arkinson. Yeah. Howard showed no emotion when he was acquitted. The Arkinson family, however, broke down in tears, completely devastated. Outside the courtroom, Kathleen spoke to the media. She said, we have always said our top priority is to recover Arlene's body. This is still the case and we are calling on the police to continue their searches and we will not rest until our sister is found and given a decent burial. So on Tuesday 20th of September, all other five remaining charges were dropped against Howard and it was then that all of Howard's previous crimes were revealed to the public. One of those charges that was dropped was for Priscilla Gahan the 16-year-old who Howard had repeatedly raped in his flat six months after Arlene had disappeared. So they dropped it. They dropped it? Yeah, they dropped it. They dropped everything. The courts had found a serial rapist and Hannah Williams murderer not guilty of the murder of Arlene. So the jury didn't know any of this. So then it was all revealed. And they were like, oh, well, fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah, for this. One RUC officer who had investigated Howard summed it up when he said he is a very shrewd and and has naive cunning. He is the proverbial shithouse rat and evil bastard, as evil as a Yorkshire Ripper. We know he has killed and there is no doubt he will kill again. Oh. So he's still in prison for what he did to Hannah. But they found him not guilty for what he obviously did to Arlene. In October 2005, UTV aired an episode of their show Insight, which detailed what had happened to Arlene and how the police had dealt with her case. It was alleged that five girls had main complaints about Robert Howard to Castledurg police at the time Arlene went missing, before Arlene went missing and after Arlene went missing. And they were all ignored. And they did Nothing. Nothing. The producers of Insight had spoken to Chief Superintendent Eric Anderson, who had worked on Arlene's case. Anderson was then filmed asking for money from anyone who wanted to interview him, as well as giving people the chance to review private information he had on Arlene's case. So because of this, an an amendment was passed then a couple of days later that all retired officers would return any documents they had on cases they had worked on once they retired. So this motherfucker had boxes and boxes of information about Arlene Arkinson and he was asking people if they wanted it, they'd have to pay for it. (laughs) Couldn't make this up, Sarah. This poor girl, this girl has been turned into a fucking, like, what is this? She's, She's 15 years old. These people are disgusting. Disgusting. 
So in 2006, Arlene's family approached solicitor Des Doherty. Now, Des is in the Badlands documentary and he's fucking great. I love Des, big Des fan. Okay. The inquest was to be held on Arlene's death and they wanted Des to represent them. Des told the Badlands documentary that he only knew what the public knew about Arlene and he expected the usual amount of files in a case, maybe five or six lever arch files. That's all he was expecting. He said when the PSNI officers pulled up outside his office, they were carrying hundreds of them. It was then that Des learned the truly horrific detail of Arlene's death and how let down the Arkansans were by not only the police, but by the courts. So this was 2006. And then two years later, in 2008, a damning police ombudsman report was issued in which an indication was made that Robert Howard evaded arrest due to the police not moving quickly enough. The report said that a police officer who dealt with the case early on immediately noticed inconsistencies in Howard's statements. He then told senior detectives who took no action. Instead, it took 46 days for the police to arrest him. And in that time, he had sold the car Arlene was last seen in, losing vital forensic evidence. So he went down to the Republic, sold his car. And then obviously whoever bought his car fucking cleaned the car getting rid of all the evidence. The ombudsman recognised the police lack of forward thinking and inactivity meant crucial evidence was lost, including Howard's clothes. They never took his clothes. They did nothing. They also also upheld several complaints the Arkansans had made against the RUC, but stated they do not believe any criminality was involved with regards to the police. That's what they mean that. They don't think the police were doing anything they don't think the police okay. were doing anything criminal, but they do acknowledge that the RUC didn't do what they were meant to do. So the inquest was a disaster from the beginning. The Arkansans had to wait as over 40 preliminary hearings were held before the inquest even began. And it would be 2015 before it actually properly began. So the amount of times this thing started was stopped, started was stopped. These, this family went through hell, like literal hell. Why was it started and stopped? Because the because the people that were working on it kept finding reasons for it. Stop waiting to hear this. <laughs> I'll get into it. Okay. There were larger questions about what documents should be submit, submitted. And then, then then Des was told he received documents he was not meant to. So they gave him shit that was meant to be redacted. Like piles and piles right. and piles. And then they were like, you can't have that. We have to take it back and you're not allowed to use it. Oh, so fuck. it was just a shit show. So. The PSNI then requested something called a public interest immunity certificate. So this meant that they could withhold some of the details from the inquest. Right. So I'm going to read from Wikipedia what what a public interest immunity ticket uh, certificate is. So it was previously known as the same thing. Sorry, sorry. The same thing exists in the Trevor Noah case. Yeah. So it was basically known as a crown privilege and it's a principle of English common law under which the English courts can grant a court order allowing one litigant to refrain from disclosing evidence to the other litigants where disclosure could be damaging to the public interest. So it's basically like if it was something that was could cause a lot of problems, they'll keep it quiet. If it's something to do with like a lot of times it's kept quiet from I know when the troubles were happening, it happened a lot when the troubles were going on. There was information kept on both sides that wasn't allowed to be yeah. put into the program. So Des Doherty yeah. said he believed this was to make the Arkansans believe the inquest would not go anywhere and that they would give up and walk away. 
Kathleen, however, had no intention of ever giving up. Basically, they met the wrong woman who was like, I don't care. Yeah. So the Arkansans were hopeful that they would be able to get Robert Howard to speak at the inquest, to have him questioned again, now with the knowledge that everyone was aware of what a heinous criminal he was, that maybe he would tell them where Arlene's body was. All they wanted was to know where Arlene was. That's all they wanted. This would never happen as Robert Howard died in October 2015 at the age of 71. Patricia, yeah, no. That's all they wanted. All they wanted was for them to. And this evil cunt. Just after everything, just tell them where she is. Just tell them where she is. So we're back to Patricia Quinn. Here we go. Patricia Quinn was called to give evidence at the inquest. And her opening words were, quote, we all know that Howard was an informant. <gasps> so this is what Patricia what? Quinn said. This had been an ongoing rumour about the murderer since well before Arlene's disappearance. And many believed the reason the police acted so poorly throughout Arlene's case was because Robert Howard was an informant for the RUC. Questions were asked as as to how an unemployed man would always have money. And from that, suspicions arose. You know, when you see people in areas and they're like, why does he have money? And they go like drugs. Well, at this time, it's more like, Oh, the police are giving him money as an informant. That's kind Information. of information. But when you start to think about the case as a whole, this starts to make sense. So according to Des Doherty, he does believe that Howard may have been a low level informant and that the treatment of Arlene's case, the treatment of her family and the constant and borderline nonsensical delays in the inquest. So that basically he said that the delays, everything else around it, it only makes sense that the police were trying to cover something up. Now, it does seem like that. And even if it's not, they are making an absolute show of themselves because that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. And even if it's not, wouldn't you want to like if it's not that, wouldn't you be like, well, it's not that. Like we actually just made a balls. So others involved in the case do believe that this was just shortcomings on the police's behalf, littered with classism, misogyny and an inability to do the work required. So obviously that's the other argument about this. Yeah. So towards the end of the inquest, another PII was raised by the PSNI. This is the second one. Oh, one okay. That they have raised. So a police informant working within the prison where Robert Howard was serving his time secretly recorded Howard. Howard allegedly told him how he had killed Arlene. The family were astonished by this new piece of information and requested to hear it. But due to the PII, they were instructed they would not be privy to who recorded it or what the recording said. Oh, for fuck's sake. So in July 2021, 27 years after Arlene's disappearance, the coroner released the report. In it, they stated that Robert Howard, on the balance of probabilities, was responsible for the death of Arlene Arkinson. Coroner Brian Sherrod found that Arlene had died on the morning of Sunday, August 14th, 1994. Sorry. Yeah, 1994. And from their report, they said there is no record of her being alive after that date. Robert Howard, a violent sexual offender and the last person to be seen with Arlene in the early hours of August 14th, was responsible for her death. The mechanism of, of, of death is unknown. The court is confident of the date of death as Howard began establishing an alibi from the morning of August 14 
at a time when Arling's disappearance had not become known. And then he said, I would like to reflect on Arlene, who would now be a woman in her 40s. And it is a matter of profound regret that Arlene did not get to live her life and lived to her full potential. And I would also like to reflect on the very grave injustice that has been done ultimately to the Arkansas family due to the actions of Robert Howard. And I would like to reflect on the exhaustive manner in which Kathleen in particular has driven this case from the first days after the disappearance right through to today. And that it is remarkable and Arlene herself has been served exceptionally well by the family in the intervening 27 years, which I thought was a lovely Beautiful. thing to say and very true. So outside the inquest, Kathleen spoke to the waiting media. She said, I appeal to the Justice Minister, who at the time was Naomi Long, to examine Arlene's case carefully. When she does, she will see the need for a public inquiry into the activities of Robert Howard in, the, in this jurisdiction and his status as an agent for the RUC, which has led to the death and misery for many people, will be unavoidable. So as Kathleen and her family walked from the court, they released yellow balloons into the sky in memory of Arlene. And that is the story, the case of the murder of Arlene Arkinson and Hannah Williams by the absolute fucking piece of shit rotting in hell, Robert Howard, and how the police, okay, I'm going to say it, 100% covering it up. Oh, 100%. Like, it's too, it's, there's too many things that are convenient for it not to be a cover-up. Like, and the fact that they were actively going out of their way to stop him being arrested, 46 days it took but them. Actively going out of their way to make it look like the family were involved. Literally went to the Arkansas family and dug up their back garden for three days, called the media. And what they were trying to do there was diminish Kathleen in front of the community to make her look yeah. like crazy. And that is so obviously what they were doing. They had been told about this man. They knew about this man. Priscilla Gahan had been raped by this man. And they basically told her she was a liar. Five other women had come that forward. Her woman. I know, God love her. And like she waived her anonymity to speak and to go to trial to get him to get him convicted for Hannah Williams' murder. Like she was like, I will do anything in my power to get this motherfucker in jail. And so did Kathleen. And they were just treated like pieces of dirt by this by the by the PSMI. So I mean, people were like, oh, people they were like people hear a case in the north and they immediately jump to the troubles and the Catholics and Protestants and police informants. But I'm like, okay, I understand that. But also, it was a very real thing. Like that paranoia comes from somewhere. That happened. Police people were police informants. Like yeah, like I know of people. I know of people in Ballyfermot who are informants. Like that's what they do. Like. And like I, that's, like, they, they are getting paid like they are getting money into their hands for it so that's why they do it but I just think like the, this poor girl and the way she was just like they didn't even try Sarah Jane no she was just wrote off she was wrote off like 46 days could you imagine the amount of evidence you could get rid of in 46 days Emmett the amount of evidence you can get rid of in 48 hours yeah, like he basically like, wiped everything. And no, they had you can wipe the given, whole thing clean. Yeah, they've been given ample opportunity, ample opportunity. That's like something happening in my small village where something happened to a girl and there is a man living in my village who everybody knows does this to little girls. That is the first I can't, person you go to. I can't, I just can't believe how many people lie 
it from. Yeah. That's like, what I can't believe. That woman, and then her, his, I feel so bad for her daughter because she was 16 when it happened. She had her mother and this fucking scumbag bastard that lived with her was clearly abusive, being like, you better lie. She was 16. Yeah. And then her best friend is dead. Like. By a man who lived in her um, house. Yeah, no, honestly, I just. And then the person that they rang to lie, the guy. Yeah. Like, they meant to, I don't know. Did they not, like, well, I just don't understand. I don't understand that. I don't understand the whole thing, but, like, the idea, like, if someone rang me and someone was missing and they yeah. were with them and they were like, don't tell the police anything, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, no problem. And then the minute I see the police, I'm going to be like, hey, wait, I tell you about this call I just got. <laughs> hey, hey, I recorded this call. You want to hear this call I got? But that is the thing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's very. I don't know. The whole thing is deeply upsetting, and I feel so. For, I feel so bad for her family, and especially Kathleen, because it was like watching that thing that people empowered do, where they try to make women look crazy. Yes. And it's so upsetting, and it's it happens a lot. This is not like an isolated oh, case. Like that crazy bitch up the road. Like that's literally what they were doing to her. And her sister was dead. Her sister, her second 16-year-old sister was murdered, dumped in a fucking bog somewhere. Like honestly. It's meant to, you're meant to be just like put up and shut up. That's the mentality of it. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. And they've never found they've never found her. I don't know, man. Yeah, no, that's so sad. Anyway, that is the case of Arlene and Hannah, who should be alive. <laughs> like, there's no other way of looking at it. They absolutely should be alive, the two of them, but it's desperately sad. But yes, I hope... Um, you did a great job. I just hope her family are living... Her father died before they could get any justice, so he knew, like, nothing. That's you bad. know, so... But anyway, I do hope her remaining family members and her friends are have stopped being re-traumatized by the fucking police and are trying to live the be- their lives the best they can, you know? Yes. Oh, oh I better go. My mum was after texting me to see am I awake, so obviously something's wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, but yes, we will be back next week, lads. Bye, bye-bye, bye. 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 It's just a phase The mother's milk gone sour It fermented with our father's gaze I caught the bride's bouquet Now I'm waiting in the chapel For a fresh coat of paint, they say No, I'm not trying to be that bitch I'm just up here trying to make a difference Drinking for the nerve, but I'm all Made me matter for a minute For about an hour I was all up in it Now I'm locked down shivering the secondhand shade And I hate on every choice that I ever made, ever made This life just isn't to my taste So I beat my face Tell myself it's just a dream, just a dream But I can't see what I've seen, what I've seen I'm a killer, I'm a villain, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend But it's only a dream, it's only a dream I've seen what I've seen I'm a killer, I'm a villain I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend
it's only a dream Yo, it's only a dream This could be a super villain origin story Cause not too long ago I was just a regular girly Too preoccupied with boys and spending all of my money On some see-through material just to cover my body That's right. Then one night I had an accident that set me apart I was exposed to an element and it captured my heart Yeah, those ill-begotten daughters of the glamorous game Yeah, they gave me a home and let me pick my new name So I took to the stage just like a knife to an artery And I gave you my spirit and made this killer a part of me I'm no longer a character, I'm a fucking calamity I'm serving you make-believe with the side of reality But I took it too far and let the parasites get to me Slamming shots at the bar, I'm living off cocaine and ecstasy And I'll murder my friends, set up camp with my enemies Till the day I decide